Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, well, welcome to the Dr. Luis Sandoval show here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Always a pleasure to be here with you on a Thursday afternoon. Let's get our show started with the Angelus here at noontime. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion in Christ be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. <clears throat> in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, well, welcome to the Dr. Lee Sandoval Show. Um, a few things, just reminders, very excited that we're going to have the men's conference coming up here on June 12th. Make sure you don't miss that. I think it's always important um, for us men to listen to what our role is, uh, what God is calling us to do, and to hear it from you know other men who have decided to take up the challenge and to listen to what to, uh, what we're called to do as men uh, in our different vocations, whether it be priesthood, whether it be a call to marriage or a call to the single life. So make sure that you look for that. You can go on our website and look at the announcement there and go ahead and sign up and be excited to, to hear that conference. I think it ties in very nicely to today's show as well, uh, as if you look at the title of today's show, it's The Family and the Final Battle. Um, you know, I had an English teacher once and they would tell us, if you want to know how a story ends, look at how it begins. Uh, you know, he was always trying to get us to write stories or to write a good paper. And he said, you know, before, sometimes you need to know the ending, uh, before you need to know the start. And I think that that's true as well for us here today. When we talk about the family and what's going on, uh, I think about that often, you know, if I want to know how a story ends, how did it start? Um, and I think about how's my story supposed to end with my family? Uh, what, how's my story supposed to end in my life? How did it start and where is it headed? You know, this came up for me recently because I was having a conversation with my wife uh, about a, a, a couple that I was uh, helping, a couple that I was doing couples therapy with at one point. Uh, and it was an interesting story. We're going to talk about that in, in our second segment when we talk about when we have our coffee and therapy segment. Uh, I'm going to discuss that that patient case. Well, it was, it was a couple. 
who came to me for help. Uh, but as I was talking to my wife, we were looking at a few things in terms of what does it mean to be a family? You know, what does it mean to, to raise a family in today's world? And what does that mean to us as Catholics? The reason I came up is my wife had been reading, as I'm sure many of our listeners have read, about uh, the, there was an article uh, regarding Sister Lucia from Fatima, uh, rest in peace. And there was this article where uh, she was asking, my wife was asking me, what did you think about this? Because she read this uh, part where Sister Lucia, before her death, had correspondence with Cardinal Cafara of Bologna. Uh, and they would write letters back and forth. And one of the letters uh, that Sister Lucia wrote to him said, and I'll, I'll read it off here a little bit to get it correct. She told him, you know, the final battle between the Lord and the reign of Satan will be about marriage and the family. So don't be afraid, she added, because anyone who operates for the sanctity of marriage and the family will always be contended and opposed in every way, because this is the decisive issue. And then she concluded, however, our lady has already crushed its head. Um, <clears throat> interesting because again, if we want to know how a story starts, we got to look at how it ends. And she's already telling us the ending that if we read the Bible, we read Revelation, we read any of these uh, type prophecies. This is why I always say I, f I find them fascinating. I find them fascinating to read, but I try not to get sucked into the fear component or to be afraid because I really want to take a step back and ask myself, what is this really telling us? What is it telling me today? Um, because I can look at it in different things. Now, when we read this, Sister Lucia said, um, this will be the, the final battle. And we can think of it as the last battle. The final battle is in a chronological event. We can think of it that way because uh, it guides our mind in that direction, right? She says the final battle. And we think, oh, that's going to be the last battle, the last clash. Uh, but it made me wonder a little bit about, well, if that's the final battle, when did this start? You know, if I want to know how a story um, ends, I got to look at how it started. And when did this battle against the family start? You know, has it already started? A lot of people say, well, you know, if we look at what's going on in society, if we look at how uh, people are defining the family, if we look at um, what people say a family is nowadays, it's not the way that we are used to or the way we are taught what a family is in our Catholic faith. You know, and then the question is, <clears throat> since some of this is prophetic, some people might ask, are we going to see this in our lifetime? Um, you know, we hear things in the public sphere trying to redefine marriage, redefine the family, different from how we see it as Catholics. Uh, but then I got to ask myself, okay, that's I can read it that way. One of the things about prophecies is I can think, well, this is a prophecy from long ago. It can take me back to the past, you know, and I think, wow, long ago somebody said this, and it's supposed to be a final battle, so it's the last battle, so it's, so now it takes me to the future, and I forget to look at it in the present. And the way I was talking to my wife about this, I said, well, you know, I think that the way I want to read this is she uses a different word, you know, in the beginning it says the final battle between the Lord, but she says, this is the decisive issue. So I went back and I thought, well, Sister Lucia spoke in Portuguese, right? So I wanted to look in Portuguese. What does the word final mean or what word would she have used? Um, and I think that in the in more of the Latin type languages, Portuguese, Spanish, French, final sometimes doesn't mean end or last. Sometimes it can be, I like the word she used, decisive later on. She said this is a decisive issue because sometimes final can be interpreted to mean more um the most important 
not necessarily the last, but the final, the, the most important, the decisive issue, the, the culminating um, issue in terms of what the battle is. And if I look at it that way, then I look at this and I say, well, yeah, she said this way back in the past, you know, a few years ago before, before she died. And I shouldn't say way back, actually. She, this correspondence, I want to correct myself, um, was, you know, up until she passed away, which was, you know, early 2000, I believe 2005. Um, so, the, you know, she said, it. let's say, we'll go with 20 years ago or something along those lines. So not too far in the past, but it takes us to the future, final battle. But I think that the best way to think of it is this is going to be the decisive battle. This is going to be the most important battle. Um, if we look at it from that perspective, then we realize it's probably already happening because if we, you know, what's, what's happening right now is that battle is happening right now. And being that it's a final battle, is it going to be something that comes up at the very end? No, I think it's probably been happening since the beginning. I mean, we have to, if we look back at how did our salvation history start, we look at the history of man and what it means in terms of salvation history, as we call it in our faith and our religion, you know, how did it start? It started with a battle against the family in the garden, right? And it started with the fall of Adam and Eve, because what was the first attack we see from uh, Satan? We see the first attack being getting the family divided, separating the wife from the husband, getting her to fall and eat the apple, and then convince, or I should say the fruit, we always say apple, right? So that's the classic allegory. But the fruit from the tree, the, the fruit from the forbidden tree, which the Lord told them not to uh, consume, and then she goes to her husband and convinces him to also sin. Um, and so I think that that's where the, the battle's already started. That's why it's always been the decisive battle. I think throughout, if we look at the Old Testament, we see so many instances of battles for the family. If we look at, um, you know, if we look at David uh, and Bathsheba, and, you know, there was already a battle for families there and infidelities and coveting your neighbor's wife. If we look at Samson, Samson and Delilah, we look at a man being um, tempted and a man being being brought away from the virtue that he has promised as, uh, as he had um, to the Lord. And really, it's this decisive battle where when we talk about the, my coffee and therapy session, when we talk about this case that, that I was going through, you're going to see how if we're going to battle for the family, and this is where the decisive battle is, it kind of brings us back to strike the shepherd and the sheep will flee. And so really, when we look at Adam and Eve, it was more a test of Adam. It was more a test of the head of the household, the man of the household, to see how are you going to handle when something goes wrong in your family? Are you going to take up your uh, your headship? Are you going to take up your domestic uh, church as the, shall we say, the priest of the domestic church uh, in your household? Are you going to stand up and do that? Or are you going to falter as well? And are you going to take your family by the wayside? If we notice when there was a fall of Adam and Eve, you look at Genesis 3, 9, and it says this, then the man and his wife heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the breeze of the day, and they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So this is after the fall. You know, they just fell. They just ate from the fruit of the tree that they weren't supposed to. And all of a sudden, the man and his wife heard the voice of God, and they go hide. It goes on to say, but the Lord God called out to the man, where are you? And he says, I heard your voice in the garden. And he replied, I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. God called out to the man, not to the woman who initially had taken the fruit. He called out to the man, reminding him 
that he was the head of the household regardless of what happened if things are happening if you're hiding god is going to turn to the man we're going to look more at this in terms of the man and the family and our responsibility when we come back from the break We've got the annual Catholic Men's Conference coming up June 12th. I know that Bishop Strickland's going to be talking about St. Joseph as a model for us men. And Jesse, what about yourself, brother? You're going to be fired I'm, up. I'm going to give the most powerful talks from the Bible for men. But I'm, just, I'm just going to cut to the chase. Yeah. The biggest problem for men is below the waist. Yep. And it's, going to, it's the lower faculty. Bring your Bible. We're going to go through the story of David and Bathsheba, Samson and Delilah. Then we're going to go through the story of David and Goliath, and you're going to see action items there. There are going to be three practical talks from the Holy Bible, which is the most authoritative document for Catholics. There's nothing that exceeds that. And you're going to get principles on how you can master the lower faculties below the waist. Well said. You can go to vmpr.org to register or call 877-526-2151. Here's a great way to support Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Do you have an old car you want to get rid of, motorcycle, RV, or boat? Simply call 855-500-7433. And when they sell that vehicle, a portion of that money comes right back to support Virgin Most Powerful Radio. It's an easy way to do it. I want to thank you for it. Call 855-500-7433. God love you and your family. This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for your support here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Here's an easy way to do it. If you're going to sell or buy a house, call Real Estate for Life, 877-543-3871, because they're going to get you a Christ-centered agent to purchase your home or to sell your home. And at the close of escrow, a portion of his commission goes right back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Call 877-543-3871. Thank you so much for your support. Dr. Lee Sandoval Show here on Virgin's Most Powerful Radio. Um, today we are here at the clinic talking about the importance of family and what our responsibilities are, especially uh, as men. I'm speaking mostly to men today because of this case that came up as the head of the household and what it is that we're going to do. Um, I was talking a little bit earlier about how, you know, in some of the prophetic language uh, from Sister Lucia, shall we say, uh, when she was uh, speaking to the cardinal she was corresponding with, she was corresponding with Cardinal Kafara uh, before her death, and she mentioned how there's going to be this final battle between the Lord and the reign of Satan, and it's going to be about marriage and the family. This came about because 
I was I had been treating a, uh, a lady and her husband in couples counseling, and she had reached out to me and she said, "Dear Doctor Sandoval, I'm not sure what to do as I feel that things are not going well with my family. I feel that my husband is suffering from depression. He recently lost his job, and luckily I carry the family with my salary. She was an engineer; she was doing very well for herself, well enough to to care for her husband and her family, where her husband didn't need to work." Uh, I am happy to do this, and he stays home to take care of the children. He doesn't seem very motivated, however, to take time to enjoy with the family. I think that he is depressed. He prefers to stay in bed if he can, or he will be in his room most of the time. He does help to take the children to and from school. He prepares their lunches and gets their clothes ready. Um, He is helpful around the house, but when I get home, I still do dinner and I take care of the dishes and things of that nature. I feel that he is distant from me. I feel that he is not happy and I'm not sure what to do about this. He is looking for jobs, but he has not had much luck. I tell him he doesn't need to because it seems that things are going well. I'm not sure what else to do. Um, Please help. And so that was really how she reached out to me and she wasn't exactly sure what to do. When we look at this situation, we ask ourselves, what's going on with this family? Why would this husband be suffering from depression um, or what has changed? Now, as I was counseling them, one of the things that came up is that they used to be very happy. He used to work in construction and he had a good job and he didn't mind her working as well. Um, they were making, you know, financially, they were they were very comfortable. Uh, I wouldn't say they were rich, but they were comfortable. And, but he, they were doing okay. Construction, uh, jobs fell and you know as as it goes with construction sometimes you get good jobs sometimes you don't either way he was let go uh, not for any fault of his own but it was more of a, a economic the company went down now he's at home um, looking for jobs not having much luck but the wife says hey I'm okay you know I'm taking care of the family financially and but what's going on with him why is he depressed well as we were talking more you know there's a few things that are going to come up as we were talking more and as I got to know him a little bit more it's hard to really pinpoint certain things because for men, it's hard to admit certain things. It's hard to say, well, I'm not provide, I'm not the provider for my family. In this case, she was uh, bringing home the money. And that really means something to, to men usually, you know, to know that we can provide. That's how we're built. We want to be the provider for the family. Uh, we want to bring something to the family. That's where we find our, our value, knowing that we're doing something. Um, for her, she didn't find any issues with it, but she really felt like she had to be leading the family because that's what society tells us, right? The breadwinner, whoever's bringing home the money, the, that's, that's what we value in our society and that's what we find is important. In the spiritual world, however, in the, in the Catholic world, regardless of what roles or how the money's coming in, um, it's a different story. Even if the woman is the one who is working and bringing in the majority of the salary, in the spiritual sense, the way that the family structure is built, the man is still the head of the household. And so one of the questions I had for him as we were talking is, how do you feel in your family? How do you, you know, what's going on? What do you see your role as? And something that very importantly came up was, he said he really didn't feel like, like he was important to the family. He was depressed. I did start treating him for depression. So he did need, he went on medication, started to feel a little bit better. And as he was on the medication, what he was able to say was this, he didn't want to end his life. Okay. So, but he, did, he didn't have any plans to end his life or anything like that. But the big but here was he also didn't feel 
like it mattered if he lived or if he died. It, if there was a random accident, if something happened as he was walking down the street, if you know somehow he passed away, he didn't feel like he was going to matter to anybody. And his wife was a little bit shocked by that. She was a little surprised when she heard about this and um, she didn't know what to do. And she started to kind of uh, wonder what was wrong with him and and things of that nature and and how she could fix it or or what they needed to do to make it better. And as we got to talking more, as I got to know him more, you know, they were a good Catholic family. um, One of the things that came up was, do you thank each other for your role in the family? And so one of the things was not necessarily do you thank your wife for you know having the job and bringing in the money, which is true, and, th- and that was important, and thank her for doing that, but it was more do you thank your husband for still being the head of the household? What does it mean to be the head of the household in this circumstance where you're not bringing in the money, where you're not necessarily what society tells you the head of the family is, but yet you're still spiritually going to be held responsible for this. It's no different because at the end of the day, I think about this. I was talking to my wife and I think about this and I say, you know, when it's my turn, when it's my time to pass, God is still going to say, you know, God's going to turn to me and he's going to say, where are you? Um, And he's going to say, what happened with your family? You know, regardless of whether my wife was the primary breadwinner, regardless of whether I was, regardless of what kind of jobs we had, my responsibility is still going to be I'm the head of the family and God's going to take that into account. Now, what do we see in today's society? And this is where, why is this a, the, the decisive battle? One of the things to look at is why attack the family? Why make it so that the man feels insecure if we don't follow these societal um, issues? You know, there was a, a prophecy from Our Lady of Good Success uh, that goes something like this. Thus, I made it known to you that from the end of the 19th century and shortly after the middle of the 20th century, the passions will erupt and there will be a total corruption of morals. As for the sacrament of matrimony, which symbolizes the union of Christ with his church, it will be attacked and deeply profaned. So there you go. The sacrament of matrimony will be attacked and deeply profaned. Why is that? She tells us right there, it symbolizes the union of Christ with his church. The attack on the family is not just simply, you know, not defining the family as we know it as Catholics, but I think it goes deeper than that. I think it goes once, let's say we do have a, a, a good Catholic family, you have a man, you have a wife, you have children. Where's the attack there? I think the attack is going to be sowing in doubt, sowing in doubt to what our roles are because of what society tells us instead of focusing on what God is going to hold us responsible for. So in this particular case, you know, even if the man's not bringing in the money, do you still carry yourself as the head of the family? Do you still understand that you have a responsibility to lead this family as it is to take that step back and say, okay, this is where we're at. How do I lead this ship? If you will, you can think of this as, well, I have maybe the leaders wounded, if you will. He's not bringing in home the bacon. He's not bringing home the money. He doesn't feel um, like he's in charge of things. But if we take that mentality, 
if, if I'm on a ship and there's a captain and the captain's wounded, I'm still going to go to the captain and say, hey, how do we run the ship? I got to listen to what the captain's saying. You know, do we still, as a, as a wife, are you still listening to what your husband's saying in terms of we still need to do this or that? Or do we feel like, well, whoever brings home the money makes all the decisions? It wouldn't work that way in the spiritual world. When the man's still going to have the responsibility. But it's very easy to take that step back and say, well, you know, if my wife's making all the money, then uh, my responsibility's done. She's in charge. It wouldn't work that way. Not in, not in the terms of our spiritual life. You are still responsible as a man. God is going to turn to you. Just because Eve chose to go in one direction and, and make certain choices doesn't mean that you're not going to be held responsible as to how do we lead the family with those choices. It's kind of a hard pill to swallow because, you know, a lot of people in today's society, we don't want to hear that. We, we're, you're going to be told that you're either misogynistic or there's a patriarchy or something along those lines. But if we look at it from a spiritual sense, the man's still responsible. What I reminded him was, you know, if we look at it even from a legal sense, you know, sometimes we think that and we hear, well, oh, the, you know, there's this equality and of course there's equal dignity, um, you know, and the man, the woman, neither is the head, they've got to be equal. But in the spiritual world, that's not the case. And guess what? If we look at it from a legal perspective, I always tell men, if you have any doubt that you're the head of the family, you know, everything, if there's chaos going on and all of a sudden there's a split and there's a divorce or something, the law is going to remind you you're the head of the family because they're gonna look at how are you gonna pay child support? How are you gonna support this family? If you weren't supporting a family while you were married, if there's any, if you end up getting a divorce, guess what? All of a sudden you become the head of the household because they're gonna look at, do you have to pay alimony? Do you have to pay child support? You know, the man is held responsible for this, right? So even society tells you that you're the head of the household, sometimes when it's too late, sometimes when there's been a divorce. Um, But I think it's much more the perspective of the modern society that forgets that regardless of what's happening as we go out to society to try to bring food home, to try to keep a roof over our heads, all those things are there in order for us to be a cohesive unit, to be a cohesive family unit, and really to make it to heaven. God's going to ask me, you were the head of the family. How did you ensure that your family got to heaven? And we're going to talk about that in the next segment, um, things that we can do, especially if we find ourselves in these situations. But this is where the confusion starts. You know, this is where, you know, we say it's the final battle, but I think the, the best word is the ultimate or more decisive battle that's been happening since the time of Adam and Eve, where the devil is trying to split things. You know, if I look at it from the past uh, uh, prophecies, you know, and predictions to what might happen in the future, I don't want to forget what's happening now. And let me read something to you about uh, what Pope John Paul said in 1981, which I would consider, you know, pretty much now. Um, We must admit realistically and with feelings of deep pain that Christians today in a large measure feel lost. I'm hearing a lot about this from, from Catholics now. You know, well, gosh, we feel lost. What's going on? There's, I feel that there's a lot of heresy. I feel that some priests aren't even necessarily following the tenets of the church or preaching something falsely. This is in 1981, Pope John Paul II said this. So Christians today in large measure feel lost, confused, perplexed, and even disappointed. Ideas opposed to the truth, which has been revealed and always taught, are being scattered abroad in abundance. Heresies in the full and proper sense of the word have been spread in the area of dogma and morals, creating doubts, confusions, and rebellion. If that sounds familiar, that sounds like, oh my goodness, that's happening now. This is 1981. It was happening ever since then, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it was happening ever since before. The liturgy, he says, has been tampered with. 
immersed in an intellectual and moral relativism and therefore in permissivism. Christians are tempted by atheism, agnosticism, vaguely moral enlightenment, and by social sociological Christianity devoid of defined dogmas or an objective morality. What I liked about reading that was I thought this is my modern times. This isn't, you know, 1917 before I was born Fatima. This isn't Akita. This isn't um, Our Lady of Good Success from the 17th century. You know, this is 1981 um, and Pope John Paul II telling us this. And th- I, the reason I think this is important is because we've got to remember every time, everything I hear from before that, that leads me to the past and everything that makes me think of the future, I got to realize that battle's happening now. It's not a final battle in the future. It's a decisive battle that's happening today. It's an ultimate battle that's happening today. And so if we do find ourselves where our family might not fit what society is telling us. We have to find ways to fit the way to lead a family the way God is telling us. And we're going to have some pointers on how to do that when we come back from the break. This is a catechetical minute from Virgin Most Powerful Radio. The Church has no other light than Christ's. According to a favorite image of the Church Fathers, the Church is like the moon. All its light is reflected from the sun. Catechism of the Catholic Church, number 748. The Church has a single, simple message to proclaim Jesus Christ. As long as the Church, and all her members, stay true to this mission, we will remain a bright reflection of our Savior, and give much needed light, to a world in darkness. Jesus, shine your light upon the Church, that she may reflect your love, to all who seek you. This has been a Catechetical Minute, from Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Jesus said to the apostles in Luke chapter 10, Whoever listens to you listens to me, and whoever rejects you rejects me. According to St. Boniface, In her voyage across the ocean of this world, the church is like a great ship being pounded by the waves of life's different stresses. Our duty is not to abandon ship, but to keep her on course. May our Lord help us remain ever faithful to his church, to aid and defend her. This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for your support here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Here's an easy way to do it. If you're going to sell or buy a house, call Real Estate for Life, 877-543-3871, because they're going to get you a Christ-centered agent to purchase your home or to sell your home. And at the close of escrow, a portion of his commission goes right back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Call 877-543-3871. Thank you so much for your support. All right, welcome back to the Dr. Z Sandoval Show here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Today we're talking about 
uh, the family and the final battle and what that really means for us as Catholics. And remember, if you want to know how a story ends, let's see how a story begins. I talked a little bit about a couple I was counseling because they felt uh, their relationship wasn't going well. The husband was getting depressed. He didn't have a job. The wife was a primary breadwinner and he felt emasculated and he kind of lost the direction. He lost a sense of what his role was uh, in the family anymore because for a man, this is very true. We're, we pride ourselves in being providers. We pride ourselves in um, making sure that our family has what they need to survive. And if that's taken away, if all of a sudden there's a, we're wounded or something along those lines, uh, in a way this man felt wounded by not being the, the primary breadwinner, then sometimes it's easy to forget where we're at, what our role is, and just kind of fall into a depression. Um, happens a lot. If this sounds familiar to you, trust me, there's a lot of people going through that, especially in today's economy, uh, after the uh, quarantine and loss of jobs and things of that nature. But what do we do if we find ourselves in this situation? How do, or even let's say that we don't, let's say that we're in a regular family situation. We have to ask ourselves, if there is a decisive battle against the family, well, the family started day one, it started in Genesis, um, and that battle has been happening ever since. That's a decisive battle, and every family is gonna be subjected to this battle. Every family is gonna be subje sub subjected to temptations to trying to break up the family from um, the kingdom or the reign of Satan, as Sister Lucia tells us. Uh, <clears throat> one of the things is, let's look at how the story uh, began and is that going to be our ending? You know, we can look at it and we can say, you know, that the, we look at the book of Genesis, that's where our story began in salvation history with Adam and Eve. Um, and we see that, you know, if we look at chapter three, this is kind of where our story in salvation history begins because this is where we had our fall. Chapter three, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals uh, the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for, was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And then it came where the man and his wife heard Lord God in the garden. Um, but the, And the Lord called to the man and said, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not for, to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some of the fruit from the tree and I ate it. And the, then the Lord said to the woman, what is this you have done? And she said, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. All right. So then that's where God starts being God doling out. Well, he's always God, but he become, we see God as the judge now doling out the consequences uh, to these actions. And we can say, you know, the, the snake is told because you have, first he goes to the snake, right? The deceiver and says, you are cursed now above all livestock. And he tells him he will always be on his belly. But 
this is where our story begins, and it says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. We know the ending of the story now. Not only are we at the beginning of the story, but we know the ending of the story and where our lady uh, will be crushing his head as she he strikes her heel. Are we living our lives that way though? So we need to look at a different story. We need to look at it from a different perspective as well. We need to look at a different beginning and end. And what I say with that is not just Genesis, but now let's go to the Gospel of John where it starts again with, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Again, this is where we see this is our story. We can't do one without the other. We can stay stuck in Genesis and say, you know, the, uh, this attack on the family, we're helpless, we're hopeless. The reign of Satan is just too powerful. We can get scared. Or we can look at, well, actually our story began with the word. It began even before God made us because there was already a plan. And the word of God, Jesus Christ, he is the light that shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. I think of this because we can look at it a few different ways. If we find ourselves in a situation like that couple I was talking to, and we can say, you know, gosh, I'm defeated, and God's going to dole out the punishments, the consequences, this might be something I did. And now, you know, he told, we know what he told the snake, that he's going to uh, be crushed. He told the woman that now there was going to be pain in her labor, and he told the man that now he was going to have to eat and work or work the land, and from his sweat, sweat of his brow, be able to provide for his wife. So, and his family. So we see that there's this punishment side, but then we forget that there's the Christ side and the fact that Christ is going to overcome any darkness that is there. Why is this important? Because if we do find ourselves in this situation, we have to remember something. We are still, as men, the head of the household. Um, and we need to look at this as if, this, if the shepherd is struck, we can't, ha- we can't have the sheep, you know, uh, flee. It can't happen that way. We're going to be asked, what did you do with your family? This is what I say to, to all men out there, because I was talking to this gentleman about it as well as we were counseling. And I said, what is it that you're doing to get your family to heaven? You know, regardless of the job. So you, you've got food on the table. Yeah. So your wife had to go to work and, and do this and you've got a roof over your head and you're not at a loss of that. But where's our responsibility as men? What are we supposed to do? What I say is this, and this is what I try to do in in our family, and I try to do a little bit more. And I was talking to my wife about all this because she's the one who brought this up um, in terms of, you know, what did I think about this? What did this mean about the attack on the family? I thought to myself, well, what is it that I'm doing to lead our family to heaven? Because I can say, well, I'm, even if I, you know, for this other man, I told him, even if you were providing, if you did have a job, um, are you still leading your family to heaven or not? Because that's your primary role. Yeah, you might be providing money and, and uh, food and whatnot, but are you still doing your job? And what I was talking to my family about and what I talked to, or my wife about, when I talked to this gentleman about was, do you ever sit with your family and say, okay, we need to have a family meeting, not just about, you know, you know, kids, you shouldn't be breaking windows or, you know, you're old enough to drive now. So we got to talk about the driving responsibilities. But if my job is to get my family to heaven, I think of it as a, as a company, as a, as something where 
if I'm the CEO, I got to sit down and start looking at the books and look at our our uh, income and our and what's coming in, what's coming out, and are we is the company headed in the right direction? I might want to sit down with my family and say, how do you all how do you all feel like we're on the way to heaven? You know. Do we feel like we're, we're moving to heaven? Is there anything that's lacking? What does it mean for us to get to heaven? What do we have to do? Have we sat, Have I sat down as the head of the household to say, these are the rules we have to follow to get to heaven. This is what defines our family. These are our family rules. Let's take out the catechism of the Catholic Church. Let's take out the Bible. Let's look at the works of mercy. Are we doing the works of mercy? Because this is part of what we're supposed to do um, to get to uh, to heaven, the spiritual works of mercy, the corporal works of mercy. Let's look at the Ten Commandments. Are they posted up in the house somewhere so that we can remind ourselves, me as the head of the household, did I do that? Did I put that up there so that my family can remember, look, we got to follow these rules to get to heaven? You know, are we sitting down and talking about them? Maybe, you know, around the dinner table or sit down and say, hey, what do you guys think it means to put God first in our lives? Are we doing that as a family? Are we watching too much TV? Are we spending too much time on our electronics? Are we spending any time together as a family? Are we putting God first or are we putting other things first? I think it's very powerful to even just ask the questions. A lot of times we forget to sit there and say, you know, what do you guys, what are the questions that we need to ask? What what are we doing as a family? Does everybody in this family feel like they're an important member of the family? How do you feel when we go to church on Sundays? You know, is, is this is something that we need to prepare for? How important is this? As the head of the household, as a spiritual head of the household, am I conveying the importance of going to church? Am I conveying the importance of the Eucharist? Notice that I haven't said anything about having a job or, or, or bringing home a paycheck or anything like that. My job as a head of the household is to make sure, are we making it to heaven? When was the last time I sat down with my wife and said, do you feel like you're on the way to heaven? Do you feel like I'm helping you get to heaven? Is there anything I need to do for you? You know, if you're running a company, you got to do evaluations, you know, individual group evaluations, whatever it is. As dads, are we doing that? You know, am I sitting there asking my wife, what can I do for you to help you get to heaven? Is there anything that you feel is lacking? Am I going to my children individually and saying, you know, you are an individual important member of this family and is and I want to make sure that you get to heaven is there anything you don't understand? Is there anything you want to do? Things that we have talked about, you know, I put up the Ten Commandments on uh, in, the, in the household here, on, in the hallway or wherever people can see it. Uh, we put up, you know, uh, the virtues and what those mean. Um, is there anything you feel is lacking? Is there anything that you feel is missing in terms of you getting to heaven? I'd be surprised what the answers are sometimes. You know, do we sit together as a family, as a group, and say, okay, what are we doing for each other? Um, is there something more that we can do for each other? You know, where are we at? I think that that's really what running this company, running this family is about. And I think that that's where the decisive battle is that we have not been taught in society to take the time to do that because look at what's important. Yeah, the material things are important. There's no doubt about that. Is the car running? Is, you know, do we have money to survive? We need it. It's a tool. It's part of the way we run in society. There's no way to get around that. I'm not saying money's evil and I'm not saying jobs are evil. I think money is, is a wonderful tool that can be used to bring up the family. I think jobs are important because God gave us talents and we can share them through our jobs if we're lucky enough to have a job uh, that we feel is fruitful and that we are using our talents in. Um, but if we find ourselves without necessarily having a job, our primary role aside from all of that 
is to lead the family, to be part of a family, to work in a family. And we're talking about families today, obviously. You know, other people say, well, I'm single and I lead a single life or, you know, I'm a priest or a nun. And of course, you're going to lead your life individually that way. Um, But really, this is where, where do I put my hope? Where do I put my thoughts of how I'm going to get to heaven? Is my hope in the material or is my hope in God? And is that the way I lead my life? More about hope, the family, when we come back and talk about the Holy Hour Challenge and how we're doing as we're praying for hope and peace in our family. More when we come back from the break. If you shop on Amazon.com, there's an easy way to support Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Just visit smile.amazon.com and type in Catholic Resource Center under the desired charity. Now, when you log into your Amazon account and purchase products, a portion of it will automatically go to support Virgin Most Powerful Radio at no cost to you. Thanks in advance for supporting CRC and VMPR and may God richly bless you and your family. Welcome, Daniel. You're on the line. What's on your mind, brother? Hi, I just wanted to share a testimony about Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I had a buddy at work who, you know, he's a lukewarm Catholic guy, and I wanted him to start listening to the Terry and Jesse show, so I kept telling him to download the app, and he kept putting me off. So one day, I grabbed his phone, and I downloaded the app for him. I went on vacation, and you know, I kept telling him to listen to it. He was kind of put me off. I came back from vacation. He comes to my cubicle, and he says to me, Hey, man, I've been listening to the Terry and Jesse show, and it's great. And it's uh, made a big impact in his life. The guy, he's going to weekly adoration a couple times a wow. week. He goes to the Mass in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's an on-fire Catholic, and he promotes the Terry and Jesse show on the Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Daniel, what a testimony, and I want to encourage our listeners to get those cards by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org and uh, do what Daniel's doing. Go out and spread the faith by inviting people to listen to Virgin Most Powerful. Daniel, thanks for your testimony, brother. God love you. You're welcome. This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for your support here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Here's an easy way to do it. If you're going to sell or buy a house, call Real Estate for Life, 877 877- Five four three three eight seven one because they're going to get you a Christ-centered agent to purchase your home or to sell your home. And at the close of escrow, a portion of his commission goes right back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Call 877-543-3871. Thank you so much for your support. All right, well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. I'm your host, Dr. Sandoval. Um, As always, if you have any questions, concerns, or just want to chat, uh, feel free to email me. My email is vmpr at gmail.com. I always enjoy uh, the conversations I have with our listeners. 
it's important because a lot of listeners give me questions like this about family, about uh, their own personal situations, about loss, or about just questions or concerns in terms of mental health, spiritual health, and physical health. Great to have these conversations and to hopefully get to know some of our listeners and know that we are making a difference out there for you. Also, if you feel so inclined, feel free to donate uh, to us. If you uh, go on our website, there's a place there you can donate if you like what you hear and you enjoy a good Catholic conversation um, that's always appreciated. Um, So today we're talking about the family and we're talking about how it's the final battle. Um, But the word final to me honestly seems a little bit uh, uh, misleading, if you will, because sometimes it seems like, well, it's the last battle and it'll be down in the future and we can analyze, well, the family's being, you know, uh, opposed in in different ways in terms of the way society's viewing or defining what the family is in terms of uh, what uh, people are saying that the family is in terms of people are saying that the family is no longer just a man and a woman and things of that nature. And that can be jarring for us. But in today's show, I'm hoping that, you know, our listeners understand that, a lot of times we start focusing outside of what's happening in terms of our own families and we think, well, the family's being attacked out there. And really what I believe is that the family's being attacked and has always been attacked from the inside. And that's why instead of thinking it as the final battle, I want us to think of it as the decisive or the most important battle. Because as we said before, Our Lady of Good Success in the 17th century said that as for the sacrament of matrimony, which symbolizes the union of Christ with his church, it will be attacked and deeply profaned. Um, I know she speaks of it in in the future sense, But if we look at it from history, it's always been attacked and deeply profaned because it's the union of Christ with his church. And how important is that? You know, there's another thing to consider in terms of where does our hope lie? Because this can all make us very scared and uh, think of the future. But I wonder, is that happening to our family now? Is my family being infiltrated? Am I uh, so worried about what's going on outside of the family that I lose hope and I don't even pay attention to the family that's happening in my own household? And I think that that's where it's the most important. You know, I was reading this article and you can look at this when you look at our uh, Rumble site. That's from 1 Peter 5. And this article is from, you know, 2016. So this is not a new topic. We just see it more and more. Um, and the the... Uh, title of this article was Sister Lucia, Final Confrontation Between the Lord and Satan will be over family and marriage. But again, it says final. I want to think of it as ultimate uh, because there's this one passage here from Our Lady of Akita in in this, uh, is a quote in this article, and it says, the work of the devil will infiltrate even into the church in such a way that one will see cardinals opposing cardinals, bishops against bishops. The priests who venerate me will be scorned and opposed by their confreres, Churches and altars sacked. The church will be full of those who accept compromises and the demon will press many priests and consecrated souls to leave the service of God. You know, we think about that and you're going to say, well, Dr. Sandoval is talking about priests and cardinals and, and, and whatnot. What does that have to do with the family? But what I really want to look at is the devil will infiltrate even into the church. And we got to remember that, yes, it talks about the priests and the cardinals, but we've got to remember that this is the sacraments, right? So the sacrament of holy orders, we can look at it that way. And the very end, it says many priests and consecrated souls, uh, the demon will press many priests and consecrated souls to leave the service of God. And really consecrated souls, when we're married, that's a sacrament. 
you know, we always look at holy orders and priests as very venerated and that's great and it's, and it's wonderful to have a holy priest because they are very much a living representative of Christ in that they continue Christ's mission on earth. We can't forget though that marriage is a sacrament and we are consecrated souls in marriage uh, to each other. Uh, and it says that it's going to press many priests and consecrated souls to leave the service of the Lord is are you being pressed to leave the service of the Lord in your own family? Are you being disheartened and being told that you don't mean much um, and that maybe, you know, your family's not that important? Are you being tempted as a head of the household to look at other women, to consider leaving your family, to think that there's something better? When are we really doing what we need to do to focus on our own family? That's really what I've been listening to in my heart and my, in my thoughts is I've been doing the Holy Hour Challenge now that I'm focusing on hope. It's really, where do I put my hope? Yes, I put my my trust in God. I have faith in God, and I thank him for being able to take care of a family and things of that nature. But is that where my hope is, or is my hope in the adulation of men? Is my hope in moving up the ladder? Is my hope in uh, you know gaining more material and earthly praise versus should my hope be in that I get my family correct and my family right and make sure that I battle there spiritually to make sure that my family's ready to go to heaven. You know, this is where the hope really lies. And this is what, one of the things that I was telling um, this, this couple really uh, was about being humble. I told the man, you know, this is where your humility is being tested in terms of how are you serving the Lord still? Because if you feel bad because you lost your job and you're not bringing in the, the, you know, the financial means to the family. Um, do you feel like all of a sudden you, you are no longer necessary? That's what he was feeling. Um, and, or are you humble enough to say, God, where are you leading me? How am I supposed to lead my family while this is happening? And what I'd consider not to be an ideal situation is for himself. That's what he was thinking, you know, and I was reading, um, this chapter from the Imitation of Christ, which I've been reading as we do our Holy Hour, and it really spoke to me on the, on this. And it said, "On holy submission." It's not a very long chapter, so I'll read it for us here. It said, "Do not be concerned about who is on your side or who is against you. Just be sure that God is with you. If your conscience is clear, be sure that He will defend you. The malice of others can never harm you as long as He is by your side." Be silent and endure for a while, and you will experience the help of God in your need. No doubt about it, for God knows when and how to deliver you. So put yourself in his care. It is up to God to help and to deliver from all dilemma. However, we should realize that often it is good for others to know to know our defects and call us to order for them, for it keeps us humble. When you admit your faults, you easily pacify others and reconcile yourself with those you have offended. God never refuses the humble. Rather, he delivers and confirms them and fills them with his grace. He also opens to them their secrets of his heart and draws them to himself, raising them in the heights of glory because of their humility. Humble people are always at peace, even when they are put to shame because they trust in God and not in the world. So if you wish, wish to reach the height of perfection, never think of yourself as being virtuous until you know sincerely in your heart that you are the least of all. You know, I thought that was very powerful because it's telling us that in our humility, God is going to deliver us when we feel dejected. 
especially if we're in that situation like this gentleman, I, I had told him, you know, I think this is a test. This is a time where God wants you to work on yourself and perfect yourself. And something's going to come your way. If I start taking up that cross, my own cross, and humbly lead my family, even when society makes it seem like I'm not the leader of my family, because by societal standards, whoever is bringing home the bacon is usually the person in charge. But by spiritual standards, by God's standards, I still have a job to do in my family. It doesn't mean that I'm that I lord over my family or that I make them miserable. Part of being the leader of the family or the head of the family is really understanding, as any CEO will tell you, any good CEO or any good boss will tell you, understanding how to make those around you better and looking at their talents and praising them for their talents and bringing them up. That's what brings up the family. Am I still able to do that? Am I still able to trust in the Lord and say, well, God has me at home here for some reason, um, and I need to really start to cultivate my own humility, my own virtues, and see how that can seep over to the family. That's what I've been hearing during the holy hour. So if anybody's been doing the holy hour, really it comes down to, for me, as I'm as I'm praying for hope, it really comes down to hope in the Lord, hope in making it to heaven, and not putting any faith or hope, now I'm, you know, faith and hope are kind of building on each other here, not putting faith or hope in my own talents, thinking of them as my own, but thinking, God, this is what the knowledge you gave me. This is what you taught me how to do. This is what you're telling me to do with my life. How can I put this at your service? And how am I going to use this to best lead my family to heaven? So that's really what I've been trying to work on. What I'm going to try to work on here for myself um, as I do this Holy Hour Challenge, as I get closer to God, is focus on my family. Look at this as if there is a battle there, how am I helping to fight that battle? How am I protecting my family? How am I arming my family appropriately? Am I sitting down with each member of my family and saying, what is it that we're doing? Is there any way I can improve as a dad, um, as a husband, as a head of the household to help everybody feel comfortable and everybody feel like they have the tools uh, and the skills that they're gaining to make it to heaven? Because that's what's going to happen, you know, for us in, in terms of the family. I'm not going to tell my wife, um, you know, what to do necessarily other than this is what I, where I feel that God is leading our family. This is what I feel we need to do in terms of what I'm understanding spiritually. And I want to find out what is it that God is calling you to do? Because the other thing that I need to remember as as uh, uh, the head of the household is that each member of my household, each member has an individual relationship with Christ that's going to be different from my relationship with Christ. I can't tell them what their relationship with Christ is. I can say, you know, we all need to go to confession. You know, we're, we're going to go once a month and this is the day we go as a family or this is what we have to do. I can't tell them what to confess right? That's really between them and Christ. That individual relationship is there. And what I want to make sure I do as a dad is to be able to foster that, to be able to care for that, you know, with this idea that's coming forth of, you know, the final battle, the ultimate battle, the most decisive battle, the everyday battle being the battle against the family. I think it's wonderful that this is the year of St. Joseph, uh, that we're focusing on St. Joseph and as the head of the household. And we take that example as he didn't lord over our lady and Jesus. He followed God's will, telling him how to lead his family when he needed to move, um, when he needed to go to Egypt, when he needed to come back. We see all this and he did it quietly with action. He was a man of action. And I think that that's what we feel that loss this couple felt or the, the gentleman felt the loss of having that action of the material action for the family. But I think we can never lose the spiritual action for our family. And if we lose that sense, then we're going to start losing the battle. But if we start gaining that sense, 
When was the last time your children saw you kneeling and praying the rosary? Or when was the last time your children saw you just praying individually or quietly reading the Bible? You know, these are the things that we as a family can do or as a man can do to lead the family um, to remind her. Those are all reminders. Somebody walks by and sees you reading a holy book, sees you, you know, reading the Bible, sees you asking questions about the Bible. Um, that's going to spread across the family and it's going to help them remember for themselves, gosh, maybe I should read the Bible or plant seeds in their souls of how am I getting closer to God? Am I doing what I need to do to make it to heaven? You know, it's one of these things that we ask ourselves because the world is not going to provide that for us. We need to take the time to really take that step back, pray and ask ourselves, how can I do this for my family best? How can I take their individual talents, get to know them as people individually and bring them closer to God? so that the whole family has hope in the Lord and not in the worldly good. Hope you enjoyed our clinic today. We're going to close out here, and we'll see you next week as we continue to do the Holy Hour Challenge. Keep praying for hope, and then we're going to move on to us. Until next time, this is Dr. Sanibel. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests Oh my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole church, 